You're listening to Vincenzo Landino on the Brand Boost Podcast, powered by Zoom. Welcome to another episode of the Brand Boost Podcast. Joining me today is a sexy, sexy boss. I can say that because that's her title. She is the chief sexy boss and CEO of Haven Worldwide. She's a marketing and sales coach, serial entrepreneur. She's just an all-out authority on internet marketing, business strategies, Heather and Havenwood. Heather, how the hell are you? And let's just talk a little bit. But how are you, first of all? I'm good, Vince. That was a great intro. That was the best, by the way. That's probably the best intro I've ever had, stud. Can I call you stud? You can call me stud. I I call you stud. (laughs) I mean, with a title like Chief Sexy Boss, it's it's hard not to go down the rabbit hole, right? Right. It is. Especially for men. I get it. It's all good. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like baiting. It's like giving us the carrot, right? I mean, we have to take the bait. So I'm going to try and do my best not to go down that rabbit hole, though, um, right. <laughs> as much as possible. Whatever you choose. It's your show, Vince. It's your show. It is. It is. And, and I'm going to let you call me Vince because I like the way you say it. Vince? No, stud. Yeah. Stud Vince? Have it stud Vince. That's even better. Okay, done. Perfect. Hey, so I need to know. Well, first of all, you're in Austin, Texas, right? I am. Okay, so tell me the best thing about living in Austin, Texas. Keep Austin weird. If I heard that right. Keep Austin weird. I have heard that. Yes. Yeah, that's kind of our slogan. So here's the thing about Austin. People love it here and people come here from all walks of life and go, I love it here. Um, here's the thing about Austin and people like you're going to probably taken back by what I say. But here's people always ask me what it like to live in Austin. I said, here's what it's like to live in Austin. Imagine you have a ton of people in the tech business and a lot of people making a lot of money and then everyone looks like crap. Like that's Austin. There's just so many people that you can't tell if they're homeless or they're going to like drive off in that like Lotus. You're kind, you can't tell, right? Because everyone goes out of their way to like wear yoga pants and like look like crap. So Austin's amazing. You can literally look like crap and go into like a fine dining restaurant and everyone's cool with that. It's super weird. So, and I, I grew up in Dallas in Houston where it's like, you have to be posh and you gotta like, you know, five inch heels and the whole nine yards. Right. So being in Austin where it's all about flip flops and looking like crap while making money, that's, that's Austin. Yeah, that always shocked me. Right. Because here it is. Um, you know, I'm from Connecticut and that's where I, I grew up and I was raised where like you always had to, I mean, if you were going to down the street to grab a coffee, you had to like take a shower, dress up. There was no like going out in sweats and, and a t-shirt or something like that didn't exist. And I, as I've been traveling more and more, I've noticed that the, uh, I don't even know what it's called, but like the gym casual or, or what do they call it? Gym I don't even know. Like people basically go out in their gym clothes. Yeah. They go out in their gym shorts and their yoga pants and their flip flops. And yet they've never touched the gym in like six months. That's, that is Austin, but that's everywhere. I mean, that's really everywhere. It's really weird nowadays in Austin specifically when you see someone dressed up, it's like awkward, like, whoa, what was the- like, what's wrong with you? You know what I mean? Like, it's so weird. And I don't know if it's because it's a tech company, but Austin's always been like super, super casual. And then you go to Dallas and everyone's like total posh and five inch heels. I literally have a closet full of heels and I have worn one pair in the last year. And that's because I took them to Vegas and I wore them in Vegas. But other than that, like I'm wearing, I wear flip. We won't talk about Vegas because what happens there stays Yeah, there. exactly. Let's not go there. It was my birthday. 
anyway, that's, that's Austin. It's super awesome. I absolutely love it. It's a tech city. It's super cash. You should come check it out. It's it's a city I have not been to. It's a city that is on my list uh, of places to visit. I hear the food is great. I hear that there's obviously a great nightlife, and it's like you said, it's weird. And I'm I like weird. I like where I can just be weird. Um, I'm gonna come out. I'm gonna check out Austin, and, I, and we're gonna have to meet up, and and yeah. we'll have to do a like a live version of the podcast. Yeah, that'd be fun. I actually did that uh, with Ian. I'm gonna be Ian at all. He's Ian Garlic. He does great. He came for a mastermind, and we did it live. It was super fun to do that. I, that was like my first time to do a podcast live. But yeah, South by Southwest is here. ACL Austin City Limits is here. I actually live literally in the middle of Austin City Limits. That's always kind of interesting. Um, Zilker Park. If anyone ever you know you're like, oh, I've been. Austin, Zilker Park, Barton Springs. That's my backyard. Literally, I walk to it every day. Um, it's all about, you know, keeping cool and being very hippie here. And I talk to homeless people every day. They look homeless. They smell homeless, but yet they have a dog and their dog's like in this massive clean condition. Right. And then I'm like, do you need, does your dog need food? Like, no, he's taken care of. Michael, like, oh, I'm confused. I mean, people- I'm so confused. I thought you were homeless. People do take care of their pets better than they take care of themselves. That's, that's everywhere. And we are a no kill city, by the way. We don't kill our dogs. So that's good. That's, yeah. I like, I like my, my dog, uh, Khaleesi, most of my podcast listeners know her. Um, she's laying on my, on my chair behind me. And did you say Khaleesi like Game of Thrones? Yes, I did. <laughs> I named, I she am. is a 10 pound min pin that I named after uh, Khaleesi from oh Game of Thrones. Oh my God. You have my heart at Game of Thrones. Yeah. Way. And by the way, you know, they always talk about in characters, like what's your character that represents you? Mm-hmm. I am Khaleesi. Like to me, That's, that is my embodiment of a human being. I love her character. She is such a badass. She's a total badass. I love Game of Thrones so much that my most, my, uh, my keynote that I've been delivering this year is you win or you die. Mm. And I use a lot of, um, uh, Game of Thrones references throughout the podcast, uh, throughout the keynote and people seem to love it. So I'm going to ride that train for as long as I can. Like, yep. I actually, I try, I kind of moved that into this whole tomorrow is coming thing because it it didn't obviously winter is coming. Doesn't make sense for talking about live video or, or business or branding or entrepreneurship. Well, for my purposes, at least. So yeah, big Game of Thrones fan. Happy to hear that there's another Game of Thrones fan and Khaleesi's not perking up, but I'm sure she's very happy to hear that there's another badass chick just like her on the podcast right now. Thank you. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about Chief Sexy Boss and how female entrepreneurs are beating the big boys, because I'm really interested in that. I know that's your book, right? Yeah. And so first of all, how did you come up with this? What's your why don't you just tell me your let's start with your story from wherever it starts to right now. How did you go from there to here? You know, it's actually interesting how it started. I kind of did what everyone else does. They go to college and then they get a job, but I kind of did it backwards. So I was talking to you earlier. I went to Baylor University, which is a very Christian university, and I failed out my first year. I partied mm-hmm. too much. Um, I got basically kicked out of Baylor, like a 1.2, 1.4, something really, really low. My And my dad was like, that doesn't work. <laughs> so I'm like, <laughs> okay. Um, and I actually went to, th- I ended up being in three universities, Texas Christian University, and then ended up actually going to University of Texas at Arlington. I, I did the, what worked best for me in college is working and going to school at night. Those years I did that, I like made a 4.0. Uh, the years I was like 100% college focused, I didn't do as well. So um, around the age of 23, 
I said, well, I'm going to work my way through college. So I went and started working for a big company called Southwestern Bell Wireless, Fortune 500 company, big, big, big company in Dallas. And I started going to school at night. And so I actually, I did the seven year plan. It took me seven years to get through college. But here's what the point <laughs> is. I just thought that's what you're supposed to do. Go, go to college, you know, go work for a big company. And I did very well in sales, outside sales, business to business sales, hardcore. You know, they said, here's your, here's your numbers. Here's your quota. Here's your business cards. Here's the yellow pages. See ya. Like that's all they gave me for training. And they said, if you don't make your quota, like you don't have a job. So you have a little bit of an incentive, right? And so I learned that process of cold calling, of knocking on doors and walking into businesses with that big science that's no solicitation. I just passed through it. Before I could, before you continue with that story, hold your, hold your thought. You know, you said cold calling, knocking on doors. Can we just talk about that for one sure, second? Yeah. We're just going to, we're just going to go off on in a, in a little tangent here. Um, I, I did a lot of cold calling through college as well. And even before college, um, knocking on doors, doing all that. Stuff. I've done all that before as well. So between you and I and the listeners of the podcast, are we seeing because th- this, this cold calling ha- kind of doesn't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. At least it's, it's almost like, Oh no, you can't cold call anymore. It's just a warm, warm leads and no like trust and yada, yada, yada. And I'll just reach out to them on Twitter. Or I'll just email them. Where the hell are people learning their, their interpersonal skills? They're not. Have you ever tried to talk to millennial nowadays? <laughs> I have. I mean, I've tried to hire a few and I'm, <laughs> they, the word sales just gets them like oh, all clammed up and weirded out. And we don't do that. That's like below us and weird stuff. But if you looked at every talking back to Tony Robbins, Jim Rohn, Dan Kennedy, I can go on and on and on. They all started in some sales position, you know, knocking doors for encyclopedias and books or whatever their thing was. They all started in sales. Uh, Armin Moore and vacuum cleaners. I mean, everyone started in what I call hardcore solicitation sales, where you have to get beyond your fear, talk to people. It is something that you have to learn. And I was 23. And I remember one day, literally, I remember one day I wasn't going to make my quota. It wasn't looking good. And if I don't make my quota, I'm not kidding. I don't get a paycheck. Like that's, and I'm booted out of a job and therefore I, I don't have a backup plan. There's no daddy Warbucks that says, Oh honey, you can hang out in my third bedroom. And no, I didn't have that option. And so I said, crap, what am I going to do? And my, uh, I think my manager was like, well, get out there and knock on doors. I got in my car, went to a parking lot that had a bunch of businesses, you know, and literally just went up and down until I got my quota. That is no lie. I just kept knocking till like six o'clock at night and walk indoors and act like I was supposed to be, Oh, I have an appointment, you know, whatever you just, you start to learn to think on your feet and ask for the cell, you know, because you're not going to eat. And I think that's something that's missing nowadays in the millennial Sorry, millennials, I apologize. But I think it's missing. No, please. They're just not learning that skill set of like, what do you mean I have to ask for this? Are you going to eat? Well, aren't you going to pay me to show up? Uh, No. You know, so (laughs) there's this huge disconnect um, of learning how to, what I call think on your feet, how to create something, how to go after what you want and do it. Um, I'm going to say this person's name and might cause a lot of strife. Donald Trump right now is a lot, of course, in the media every day. But the thing about him that I, I like as a person, okay, not taking politics for a second, is that he, he 
he's a cold caller. He'll do whatever. He'll pick up the phone. It doesn't matter, right? It's because he's had to learn to go after what he wants and pick up the phone, cold call, whatever it takes. He did it. And I think that's a skill set that people don't um, appreciate anymore. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's a skill set so needed today. It's so needed today because they can hide behind their computer and go, well, I'm on a Facebook and I can like tag them and say hello. There's such a difference when you're in face-to-face combat, and I mean that, when you're looking at someone's face and they're looking at yours in real time and they look at you and say, no, get out there, you know, you have to like deal with that. So it's a different kind of conversation and people don't want that rejection. So they put their computers be- between. Them. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the rejection is the rejection is it's like no one can handle that anymore. Mm-hmm. And saying no or or getting a no is like the end of the world. I remember, um, I I remember that there were, you know, where I worked, where it was cold calls. I remember that there were some that when they they got their first no, or they got a no in general on the phone, because we were inside sales. So we were, we were just funneling leads to, to, you know, the outside sales folks, they would it would like the end of their entire day would be ruined. It would be like, I need to go to the bathroom. I need to go for a walk. I mean, they would be unproductive for the next two hours, then go to lunch then come back, make another couple phone calls and, and go home. And I'm like, wow, are you kidding me? You know, where do you, anyway, I, I, I know we kind of went off the beaten path there with tying that all in, but it's just, it's always interesting to me when someone says that they, got their skill or they got from, you know, Hey, I failed out of school to I'm now very successful. And I credit a lot of that to cold calling, knocking on doors, uh, talking to people, you know, being personal, knowing how to have a conversation, knowing how to face rejection. And there's often times where, you know, I run into folks where we get into the conversation about, um, participation trophies and I feel very strongly that, Oh my God. Yeah, I know. And, and I know that I isolate myself from a lot of my peers oftentimes with that. Um, Good job, Jimmy. Here's your participation trophy. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a diehard Steelers fan. And um, Jim Har- um, James Harrison, one of the linebackers for the Steelers, yeah. he actually yeah. he, he came out and he said, I refuse to allow my children to accept participation trophies. And I'm like, you know what? as harsh as that may sound for some people's ears, like they're going to grow up with a lot more resilience, right? It's not harsh. It's normal. I mean, that's why I called my podcast the win because it's about winning again. You've got to learn to win again. And the only way you win is through losing. And people talk to me all the time. Like what, how did you become so successful in entrepreneurship? I'm like, I don't even think I'm successful. I've got so many failures behind me. There was like death, mm-hmm. deathness behind me of like massive death. And I mean that in a loving way. It's to me, it's the, the amazing, the most amazing entrepreneurs have a ton of what I call dead bodies behind them. Okay. Mm-hmm. Meaning people or businesses or whatever that is, the failures they had. Joe Sugarman, he said to me, and he actually says this publicly, the only reason I'm successful is because I failed more than I've succeeded. You only need like one big success, right? One or two mass. But then how many times did you fail to get there? And failure is actually in a, almost in a way an accomplishment. Uh, there was a, a the woman who does span, Spanx, I think she had an interview, I believe it was on Forbes. And I love the interview. Her dad every day to her 
to her family would say, where did you fail today? And what a weird way to think about it. But the failure, if you're not failing, you're not trying. Just like in sports. I mean, how many times do football players or dancers or soccer, soccer, you kick something, you don't make it into the goal. How many times do you have to learn to do that before you win. I mean, hundreds, thousands, whatever that is. Same thing in business. People think one business and they'll win. I'm like, no, it's, it might be a hundred businesses. It might be a hundred phone calls or thousands, who knows? But, um, why are you letting that, you know, back you down? I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that in today's society, things were handed to the new millenniums. I'm trying to bash on you guys, but I mean, I recently have been trying to hire some millennials and here's, I no kidding. I had this conversation last week. So I said to her, okay, I'm not sure what your skill set is or what you're looking for. This is kind of what I'm looking for. And she's like, well, I don't care as long as I'm making like X amount an hour. I'm like, F you girl, how are you going to add value to me? I'm the business owner. I pay it. Therefore, your job is to figure out what I want, how I want it and how you're going to make me money. That is what an employee does. Okay. Mm -hmm. And she just is like, well, I just want to make more than minimum wage. I'm like, you're 21. Who, who are you to say you even deserve that? What, you know what I mean? I mean, even the corporate, in the corporate world, that big company, my salary, no lie was $12,000 for the year. That was before taxes. Okay. So I was getting whatever, like $600 a month a month. Everything else I made, I made actually $120,000 a year, my third year, but it was all sales because I brought in revenue for the company. Therefore I made a commission of that, right? That's how it's supposed to work as employee. You, if you're a $60,000 a year job, you should be at least adding value of 120 to triple that to the, to the company. That's your job, right. you know? And there's this mindset of like, give to me, give to me, give to me because I'm here. I'm like what? Where is the value you're adding to the marketplace? Where the value you're adding to the company? Um, and you learn that skill set when you are in cold call sales. It's it's one of the and I, you know I credit it too. And I've I've never I don't think I've ever gone into my full story here on the podcast, but it was one of the uh, the, the mo- it was one of the experiences in life that I learned the most from and that created or made me so resilient, but also help me not really care when people said no, like, not that I don't care. Obviously you always care when someone says a no, especially when you think you're good at what you do. <laughs> but, um, at least just, you know what? It's like this rolls off your back and you go to the next one. But like you said, you can't be successful unless you failed. You can't be successful or you can't get a yes unless you've heard a million no's. And I know that's so cliche. We hear a lot, but let's talk a little bit more about your story. Um, you went from basically zero, no contacts, nothing to a publishing company. What? over a million dollars in sales in less than 12 months. Right. Yeah. Tell us about that story. Cause that's, that's interesting to me. You, you, you didn't have a list. You didn't have a product. You had no name an offer, nothing, but you went from zero to a million dollars in sales in less than 12 months. How, how can we model that? Well, tell us the story first and then tell us how we can model after that. Yeah. So I'm going to tell you the story, but I wanted to kind of pick up cause there's a, there's a tie in here of, um, I was number in the corporate world. I was number one in sales the entire in the entire U.S. and this company out of ten thousand reps, and then I got fired, and that was the moment that I figured out that in corporate world, you know, things can be taken from you, and there is no future for me there. So I had to figure mm-hmm. out a way. Okay, I want to be an entrepreneur, but what the heck is that? So here's how this all started. 
you asked me that question, is that I was sitting in one day with a, uh, my girlfriend's um, boyfriend and this thing called an infomercial came on. And I'm going to circle back. So uh, as infomercial came on, back on, came on, it said, do you want to own your life? Do you want to own, you know, own your own business? I'm just like, yeah. No, of course not. Right. I'm like raising my hand. I'm writing down. Okay. Meet us at this hotel at one o'clock tomorrow. I'm writing it down. I'm there. Right. I'm there. I don't tell my girlfriend. I don't tell anybody I'm going to this thing. Go there by myself. And there's this 90 minute presentation where they're basically talking about business and business ownership and how they can help me. And they're selling me a seminar, right? So I'm in the seat of a seminar. They're going to sell me more seminars, $3,000. I don't have the money, but for spouses, it's a thousand dollars. I'm like, I could, I got a credit card for that one. I could do that. So I like nudge the guy next to me and I said, Hey, you doing it? He goes, yeah. I go, can I be your spouse? He's like, sure. What's your name? (laughs) I'm like, cool. I'm your spouse, John Joe. I don't remember his name for the life of me. So we go in the back of the room and I'm writing down different address, different last name, different everything. Right. And, and the guy, the people behind the counter are like, uh, yeah, like we know what you're doing. Right. So long story short, they came to me and said, Hey, we want you to work for us. You want to work with us, with us. So I started traveling the country doing seminars in real estate, teaching people how to buy and sell real estate. I started doing buy and sell real estate myself, but that's how I got into the information marketing space is because I was working with all these speakers, authors, and coaches doing seminars. So from that point of 2001, I did produce, created over 450 events where I became a consultant on other speakers, how to speak from stage, how to close from stage. How do you build a seminar where at the back of the room, people are giving you a thousand dollars a head where you're making $120,000 in three, three days. Um, you know, I started learning the art of information marketing and selling large seminars. So then in 2005, I had a client came up to me and say, Hey, I, uh, I'm a lawyer. Like, I don't know anything about this information thing, but I'm really good at like buying and selling houses. I want to build a business in that. So we got um, in a business partnership and I said, okay, here we go. So what I did was I turned him into, you know, uh, an expert in real estate investing created his product, his three-day event, his coaching program. These things probably might sound normal to you. And then how I did that from no list, he had no list. He was a nobody in the space is I went out to affiliates and said, Hey, here's this other guy. He's teaching real estate investing. You have a list that's like that. Let's partner up. Boom. That's how we went so fast from zero to a million dollars in one year. So, and a lot of that had to do with, I had been in the industry for seven years. So picking up the phone and saying, Hey, like I'm behind this project. You get 50% of the $3,000. Let's mail it out to your list. Let's do a webinar. Boom. And then we just exploded it from there. So that's what we did. Affiliate marketing is your lowest hanging fruit. And you don't, again, this goes back to cold calling. People say, well, you were in the business for seven years. Pick up the phone cold call, ask them, Hey, we have this product. You have a list. You can make money. We'll make money too. You want to do business? I mean, that's not that hard, but again, this goes back to the cold calling conversation. Yeah, absolutely. So, so here's my question to you is what practical tips do you have for the listeners on how they can emulate that trajectory that you had from zero to a million? Great question. First, get clear on what you're selling. Okay. That bad word selling. What 
are you selling? And then create an affiliate product program around it. Now, affiliate means that you're going to give 30, 40, 50% upfront to the affiliate of the price point. People go, what? Because a good entrepreneur knows the money is never made in the front end. It's always in the back end. Okay. You give up sometimes a lot on the front end to, to basically get the customer and make money in the back end. So it doesn't matter what you do. So right now I'm with a company, skinnybeam.com. We have a Groupon out there. It's ridiculously low. And when I first started working with the, the owner, he's like, Oh my God, we could make triple that. What are we doing? I said, get the customer who cares get the customer. It's like paid media. They're giving you a customer. They're actually paying you and giving you a free customer for free. It's your job then to sell them on the back end, which we've done a very good job and made $500,000 in, in one year with a brand new business from scratch because we learned that the art about it is we Groupon is our affiliate. They go out, they find the customer, they give it to us. They take half the money up front and then we make all the money up on the back end. They don't take any of that money. So you have to learn the art of affiliation could be Groupon. It could be an actual affiliate. You pick up the phone. It could be a leather local business. If you're a dentist, maybe reach out to a chiropractor, whatever it is, you've got to learn to let go of that initial sale, at least a percentage of it to get that customer. So you're a big proponent for affiliate. That's interesting. Huge um, proponent. What's that? I'm a huge proponent of it. A lot yeah, more yeah. than paid media. I think every business should focus on affiliation first and then once they get their model down, then they could do paid media. Once they get their model down and go, well, I'm giving up 50% now, um, it's okay to give up, you know, 25% or 75% with paid media because again, I have my back end so dialed in, I'm good. That is uh that's you know, getting clear on the offer is something that I always I always preach or talk about, uh, when it comes to, you know, every type of business, whether you're, whether you're trying to sell on, I guess it always comes on to sales, right? It, it always comes down to sales because at the end of the day, if you have no idea what you're offering people, how, how can you sell it to them? Right? Like there's no way you can, um, I'm glad you said that. I'm really glad you said that. And I'm interested in the affiliate thing. I, I actually, um, do you have any ways to set that up? Like go about setting those up? Do you have any tips on that? Cause maybe that's where people can grab get a lot more benefit from is if they want to get involved in setting up affiliates, uh, at least for, um, for me, this is new for me too. It's always been something I was like, Oh, that's so hard to set up. Oh my God. It's like a whole, it's a whole process. Is, is it, does it have to be that hard or can it be as simple as just offering people money up front? for that initial sale? So yeah, it's super simple. There's the, in the world of technology, there's tons of softwares out there that you just set it up and then they deal with the cookies in that piece. Meaning you give your affiliate a link, right? So technology, give the affiliate a link. They sign up for free, give it the affiliate link, their unique link. And anytime they send anybody to your site, you know, it's from them. And then from that process spits out like, Hey, you know, a stud vent sent you two customers, you pay him a hundred dollars this month. And then you just write the check. Right. So, um, it's getting clear on your model though. Affiliate is just another uh, legion. It's a legion conversation, right? It's a legion. It's a media, it's paid media, except it's, it's 
it's paid when purchased. So in paid media, if you might do CPM, right? you might, you might be paying $500 for every thousand or something like that, uh, that come to your site. And then you focus on the conversion here. It's like, you can send me a thousand people to my website and I only convert two. I, I just pay you on the two that convert. Right. So it's just a different way to look at paid media. But as an affiliate, here's the question you have. It's like, where do I start? What you get first question. What is your avatar? Who's your market? Who are you marketing to? Once you get clear on that, the question is, well, where else are they? Where are they? Like, what else are they attracted to? What other newsletters are they a part of? Where else are they going? And then you affiliate with that. So I'll give you an example. Um, we have a, a particular product. I have a e2lab.com is my supplement line, e2lab.com. And we have products in testosterone, okay, for men. And I went out to a company called Newsmax. Newsmax, their market is um, conservative men over 50, right? So they're hardcore Republicans, um, Christian values, but they're men over 50. That's their demographic of their newsletter. And so I paid them. Now this was a, a pay to play. So I pay them a fee and then they send out my offer. Right. And then I make money, all the money. Now in this case, I paid them a flat fee and then they send to their list. Right. And then I take all the money from the back end. but I could have easily said to them, Hey, I'm going to give you X percentage of every unit sold. Um, here's your affiliate link and they send it out and then boom. Right. But where is your customer? Right. Who, what other lists are they on? And that's how you figure it out. Does that make sense? I like it. I like it. You know, it makes a lot of sense. It's, it's, you know, it sounds, sometimes it sounds so like, oh yeah, that's easy. But really, if you don't go out and do it or you're not, um, used to that type of, um, this marketing in, in general, you, you kind of, this is all new. So like, I'm thinking, I'm sitting here going, wow, this is great. Like I have, I can use this with so many other ideas that I have too. So well, I'll give you one more example, you know, so I used to yeah. work for American express financial advisors. I used to work in the financial space and I was, um, I was their cold caller. <laughs> one of the reasons I left shocker shocker. And my job was to cold call to, to set up the appointment basically for the financial advisor. And they had a beautiful relationship with American express. So what they did is the, um, they would basically buy leads from American express, right? Cause it makes sense where American express financial advisors, they, there's a particular demographic of cardholders of American express. So they go, okay, the chances of American express cardholders that want to have want to have or talk to or already have a financial advisor. It's a good list. It was a good matchup. So I remember, I mean, I'd be there from six to nine at night and I would just like hammer out, um, cold calls. And I, what's funny about that is I actually got a ton of, of opening conversations. Very, very few did I get hang up on because I would start with, hi, my name is Heather and I'm with American express financial advisors. They have an American express card. <clears throat> so they're like, Oh, like they already are a member of that. You can do that with associations. Like, hi, I'm, you know, uh, we're with, or we're partners with the blah, blah, blah association. They're like, well, yeah, I'm a member of that. Well, how are you partners with them? They're going to stay on the con the phone with you just to find that out. And then you can move the conversation to, well, we partnered with them and now we're doing this thing with blah, blah, blah. And then you go into your spiel, but you're associating with another piece. That's an affiliate. Associations are great with affiliates right? Tapping into their association list. 
associations. No, no, that helps a lot. I mean, associations are, sorry, I got the little, I got Khaleesi over here. Who's now deciding to act up, you know? So I'm trying to keep her quiet as well. The the joys of having the joys of having a home studio is, uh, is this, this little one right here, but no, you know, associations sometimes we take for granted and, and how we, um, not only, you know, with, with sales, but with, you know, running a business with, um, a newsletter with, with anything we do. I mean, having a podcast, like associations to find more listeners, more subscribers, more viewers, more sales at the end of the day. Right. So there's just so much, um, that, that can be done by way of association, by way of affiliate, by way of, um, you know, everything that you mentioned. So I like, these are tips that are good for me. I can only imagine that a lot of the podcast listeners are having, uh, you know, maybe some epiphanies here as well, because, Hey, let's face it. If we don't hear these reminders on the daily, which they probably don't, um, you know, you lose that. So Heather, I appreciate all the tips. I appreciate that. And I just, I want the listeners to know where they can find you, uh, on social, on anywhere on your website, but also I want you to talk a little bit about your podcast. Uh, um, the win with Heather Haywood. The being a bad girl. She's barking back there. Oh, she's trying to get out. That's her problem. Oh, she's trying to get out. Okay, well, I'll tell everybody uh, what's going on with me. So you can check my podcast out called The Win. It's on iTunes, Google Play, Stitch, all those kind of places. It's called The Win with Heather Havenwood. And really my focus with that is to focus on entrepreneurship. And I had this huge Rolodex, right, after being in the entrepreneur space for almost 15, 16 years. And I get a chance to like open that Rolodex and actually have com- amazing conversations with them. You just said Rolodex. It is a Rolodex. It's a Rolodex. I know it's just funny years. Why is that? Why is that? Weird? It's fantastic. I love that you said Rolodex because I haven't heard Rolodex in a long time. I have an amazing iPhone contact sheet. Like I love the word Rolodex. Okay. Rolodex is fantastic. You're right. You don't say contact list I mean, or app. My iPhone, I have an amazing iPhone contact list. Like that's boring. Right. But Rolodex is kind of sexy. See? See, you got to go with sexiness when you're doing sales. I'm trying to sell them. Vince. Rolodex is fantastic. It's listen, I use the word Rolodex and people laugh at me. So I had to laugh back at you for saying Rolodex. That's fine. You can. But I mean it with love. Mean it with love. Well, I do have a million. How can I argue with the sexy boss? You can't argue with me. You just can't. No. You can't. I'm not going to win. I know that. Well, it's about the one you can listen to my podcast and you can actually win. <laughs> well, t- so tell, so, so tell them a little bit more about where else they can find you aside from the win. So heatherhavenwood.com. Go check that out. If you're interested in working with me, great. Raise your hands called work with Heather. Click on that. Set up a time that to work with me, but you know where I hang out is LinkedIn. I love LinkedIn. That's actually where you and I met. And from August 15th till now, I've been on over 120 podcasts as a guest, just like this. And that's on, that's basically 120 hours of free publicity that I had. Jeez. I thought I was special. Yeah. You are special Vince. But the point is, is that I cold called you. Right, you did. You did so. You, I cold called for the LinkedIn for the listeners. I remember exactly where I was. I was in Boston at Inbound last year, Inbound uh, Marketing Conference put on by HubSpot, and I get a LinkedIn message from Heather saying she wants to be on my podcast. So at the time, I wasn't sure. Um, for those of you who listen from the beginning, this podcast started in late September, early October, and I'm like. 
someone's reaching out to me to be on my podcast. Like, what's this all about? This kind of sounds weird. And I read your bio and all that stuff. And I think, Oh, I know we went back and forth a little bit and I said, okay, you know, I'll get, I'll get in touch with you. And things kind of got busy and then we just never got a chance. And then we got linked up with a podcast, I guess, recruiter for all, for all intents and purposes. She's a podcast recruiter. Who's like, Oh my God, Heather Haven would be, would be fantastic for your podcast. And I'm like, no problem. Sure. And of course I type your name into my Rolodex, AKA Gmail. And you popped up as emailing me earlier. I'm like, Oh my God, I feel so dumb because she's reached out to me numerous times. And I totally, I, I blew her off. So now you made me pay for it. <laughs> I, I blew you I off. I was service. like, Oh <laughs> yes, I know. So that, that's, I felt bad. That's okay. But, you know, honestly, even though if you think about it, I laid the foundation because I did reach out to you. And then when you did type your, my name into your, you know, Gmail, you're like, oh, she's already. So you knew that there's like, there's, there's a reason, right? There's a reason for that. And I think sometimes that happens in sales. How many times do you have to see a billboard or see something over and over and over again before you make a purchase? It's okay. That's exactly what had to happen to have you say yes. Right. So it's part of that process um, in sales. And that's what I do. So you Welcome to check me out on LinkedIn. Um, feel free to check what out what I do. I'd love to be on your podcast if you have one. But honestly, I love to give value. That's what I do. And I have a couple businesses, e2lab.com, sexybossinc.com, uh, skinnybeam.com, and heatherhavenwood.com. So go check all those out. She is all over the place. That is fantastic. Actually, in a good way. I don't mean that in a bad way, but you're all over. And that's fun because life must be very diversified for you. Diversified. I I feel like Sounds I'm a like financial a conversation. Yeah. Is your point? Well, you did say Amex <laughs> Financial. So, you know, yeah, um, yes, I I'm kind of boring. And I, I say that in the most loving way. I work a lot. I, I live in my home studio. I'm in my home studio in Austin. I overlook this music, amazing green belt. My dog is on my bed, passed out. She's got six beds in my house. I have one and she always is in my bed, which makes zero sense. I try to talk to her and like, look, honey, you can have this bed and this bed. And she just looks at me like, whatever. I own that's, you. I'm jumping. Your that's my dog. That's exactly uh, the same way. She's got, she's got multiple, multiple of every room, she, every room, every and room. And she always finds a way to get in mine. And it's kind of, I don't know what that is. <sighs> you know, it's like you're 10 pounds. You're 10 pounds. Who, who do you think you are? But <laughs> she owns your heart. That's what that she, is. She's the boss. She's the boss. Yeah. Rescues are the way to go. I'll tell you that right mine now. Mine was a rescue. Uh, mine just watched in my life one day. And said, I had a neighbor, no kidding. I came home from like being gone for five months and my neighbor walked over and he was kind of this guy who smoked a lot of pot and he goes, Heather, I got this dog and like, I can't take care of it. It's yours. I'm like, what the F are you talking about? You know? He literally just like, here's your dog. Anyway, she's a love of my life. That's funny. Actually, that's the, uh, my story is very similar. Oh, really? uh, drugs had the same <laughs> same effect on her previous owner, her previous six owners. And she was only a year and a half when I got her. So you go figure that one out. Um, same. yeah, fantastic. Right. So adopt if you can, that's my message to everybody. Yes. Adopt Heather. Thank you so much. Really do appreciate your time, sure. uh, today. And for those of you who enjoy this podcast, make sure you reach out to Heather either on LinkedIn or anywhere else you can find her tell her that you found her on the brand news podcast because that would make me happy or you can just reach out to me at vincenzo landino on twitter because you know that's where i always am this podcast is brought to you by zoom as always a uh, an amazing analytics platform social media 
uh, analytics and tools. Uh, so thank you zoom for always being here for us and bringing to you this amazing podcast. I will see you next week and remember, keep it sexy. This has been a VincenzoLandino.com production. Thank you for listening. If you enjoy the Brand Boost podcast, please give us a rating, write a review, or subscribe. Head on over to BrandBoostCast.com forward slash subscribe.